So we're going to continue with the study of Abram. And today we're going to go through Abram and Lot. That they're going to have to make some decisions. And they both make good decisions. And I mean, sometimes we make wrong decisions. But in the the story we're going to read, they both made good decisions. But one ended up being very bad, and it's not because the choice was wrong. It was their value system that their choice built upon. Um, and, and so I believe the Lord's trying to get our attention. You know, that we make decisions every day, and some of them don't turn out good. And we go, well, I made the right decision, but what we need to do is look a little deeper and see what that decision's value system was built upon. Because it's the value system that helps us create, if it's a good choice, that's going to end up good. We make good choices that end up bad. How many have made a good choice and ended up bad? I know I have. You know, it's like, well. So, and, and it goes back to a story that I know, a gentleman, that his son, he was having a hard time getting his attention to help him make good decisions. For those of you who have children, have you ever struggled trying to get the attention of your child? It doesn't matter who it is. And, and the crazy thing, if what works with this child doesn't work with that child. Each child, I mean, is born with a different disposition and what gets their attention. I remember our first child, Crystal Grace. I mean, all excited. I'm in the birthing room I'm going to get to cut that cord and hopefully not pass out and so here she comes that little head and she comes out and looked around I go something's wrong make her cry doctor the doctor said because she doesn't want to cry I go make her cry then she's supposed to cry she goes she doesn't want to cry I can pinch her or something to make her cry and it's like no, she doesn't seem right. I mean, every baby cries when they come out, right? He goes, no. So she's growing. You know, we dress her up, set her on a chair. We can leave, come back, and there she is. She just... Today, Peter gives her a cup of coffee, leaves her on a chair, walks away, comes back, and there she is. <laughs> then number two comes. My sweet Sarah, there's the head. And she didn't want to come out. Imagine that, someplace dark and warm. <laughs> she didn't want to leave. And, and her head's coming out. I'm here, like it's squeaking or something. And soon as her mouth came out, yeah! and there it was set. <laughs> from this. each one of them it took a different way to get their attention each one's unique and the Lord tries to get our attention and so there was this gentleman and he had the same problem he's trying to, his son is a, a young teenager he's trying to get his attention can't seem his son's making poor decisions not paying attention not taking any instruction and he tried everything and so his last choice was, you know, I'm just going to take him to work. I can't leave him here because he so disrupts the family. My wife is all frazzled when I get home. So every now and then he would take him to work. And it started to have an effect. This gentleman was a pilot. And I thought, you can imagine all the new things he's going to see. 
But it was so effective that the neighbor who has a boy the same age said, listen, I can't think, your son has changed. What is it? He goes, well, I take him to work. Uh, you know, I call him, you know, a high altitude conversation. And uh, it seems to, to be effective. He goes, listen, the next time you need to take him, could I come along? He goes, yeah, let me check it out. So a couple of weeks goes by and the man calls him and goes, listen, uh, I have a need to have one of my high conversations with my son. Uh, you're welcome to come and just watch from a distance and see if you can glean anything from it. And so the gentleman did. And so in the middle of one of these high conversations, the next door neighbor takes a picture and sends it to his wife. And here's the picture. <laughs> Got his attention. Now, of course, this is Photoshop. But some people, including myself, the Holy Spirit tries to get our attention by the same means. Where in some situation, we're just like, you know, you're complaining about how your life is and then your life changes going, I'll go back and never complain again. I just want to go back the way it was. And sometimes that's how the Lord has to deal with some of us to get our attention. And today, I'm believing he's going to get our attention as the Lord got my attention about two weeks ago with, you know, those silly questions we have in the groups. Oh my, I will get there in a minute. But... <laughs> The Lord wants to get our attention to better our life, to help us to make good decisions, not just a good decision, but a good decision born out of a good value system. That sometimes, you know, it's like, should I do this job or that job? You know, they both have good things. And it's, you've got to look a little deeper, and that little deeper so often is looking at the value system that that decision is standing on. So, and in doing that, we're going to have to take a look at what, how the Lord got the attention of Abram. So, to take a look at our sacrifices, you see, the Bible says that we are living sacrifices. You're a living sacrifice. The problem with a living sacrifice is that we try to crawl off the altar every now and then. You, know, you see, like, you're going to make a sacrifice. Well, I don't know if I want to make a sacrifice. <laughs> and we crawl off that thing that God has said that we are. We're an example of giving things up, investing things into. I fish, and I fish a lot. And when I go to clean the fish, if that fish is dead, I can put him there, walk away, and I, I'm coming back, and I'm pretty sure he's going to be there. Well, sometimes I put a live fish on there. I walk away, and where'd that little rascal go? He's trying to find his way back to the river. And that's what happens when you're a living sacrifice, and we all are. So you know what? We try to crawl off that altar. Sometimes we choose another value system so that we can say, oh, this is a good choice. So the Lord's going to challenge us today on our value system, not if that we made a good choice or not. So we're going to take a look at Genesis 13, where it starts. So Abram went up to Egypt to Najib with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram 
had become very wealthy in the livestock and silver and gold. From the Najib, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place where Bethel and Ai, between the two of them, where he had been earlier and had, he went there and he built an altar. Well, he went back and used the altar again. Verse 4, there Abram again called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they both were there together. For their possessions were so great that they couldn't support them. They couldn't stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me and, or between our herdsmen and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of Jordan was well watered like the garden of the Lord. Now I want, I want to just... I'll make this note, but he used a biblical, a spiritual reference. Like he was referring to, to Adam and Eve, the garden. And it, he knew the story. He'd seen his uncle pray. Everything that he'd gotten, he'd gotten from his uncle, protection and all. So he was making a spiritual reference here. So he wasn't, you know an idiot when it came to spiritual things. So he makes a spirit, he looks at this and makes a spiritual uh, mention of it. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram after Lot parted from him. Now remember he had gone and he prayed before the Lord to ask the Lord what to do. And then it wasn't until after he had done this act of generosity that the Lord spoke to him. Many times when we, when we put ourselves in the right place, the right value system, we make the right sacrifice and you don't hear anything from the Lord. To wait. Wait. The Lord is waiting upon you to plead that which he's given you. He's entrusted into you. So the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had departed from him, look around. Where you are, to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west, all the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offsprings could be counted. Go walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving to you. So we want to take a look, because these two men were both ambitious. I mean, Abraham was an ambitious man. He wanted to supply for, support his family. He wanted to bless his family. That's why he went to Lot. He was blessing Lot. And they both made the correct choices, but from a different value system. One led to increase and the other to the destruction. Lot 
prioritize, but his priorities is the riches he could see. That was his priority. His value system, well, what I need to enrich my family, I need to look at the future. That was his value system. He didn't look back and say, well, who provided this for me? Who, who was it the one who gave this to me? And who was the one who was saying, take whatever you want, you choose. He didn't choose generosity, he chose selfishness. You know, what was going to better him? And you know what? In, the, in, in a most value system, that's all that we look at. That's it. But we see that his choice led to destruction. Lot just looked at his options and made a choice. It was a financial, it was a good choice. But the process shows a total disregard to spiritual things. He chose what financially was going to better him, not spiritually what was going to better him. It wasn't a consideration. And the exact opposite we're going to see from Abraham. You see, when you take that new job, when you move to that new area or move away from another area, when you say goodbye to that boyfriend or that girlfriend, it may not be a financial decision. It needs to be a spiritual one. Well, there are different value systems. If you look at it, you can find a value system that says, yeah, go ahead and do what you're doing. It's okay. It's right. It's a good choice. Ask the people who you know who are going to agree with you. Don't ask the people you know who, who are coming from the spiritual side of it, you know, your parents, um, and disagree with you. It's all about the value system. And a matter of, it's, it's we need to be honest with ourselves. He put his family in spiritual danger living next to Sodom. And I'm going to just take a moment. There's no service after this one. I can go a little longer. I don't get all the first service in one. You know, usually I see one doing it. That's usually Peter first, then my wife. And then when the whole row's going. <laughs> so I, I block you out. This could be very offensive. But in the years, 30 years that we've been doing this, and even before when I was a youth pastor, it's amazing how many sports, youth sports, play games on Sunday. And we've had families going, hey, you know, um, we've got practice. We've got this. The only time they can get the field is on Sunday. The only time we can do this. You know, and guess what? Your kid is not going to be a soccer professional. I'm pretty safe in that. The chances of your child being a professional soccer player, if he's that good, he will get recruited. You don't have to be the coach to get playing time for him. Uh, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Your kid, your child, needs to make it to heaven. And if he plays soccer or not, even professionally, it doesn't compare to making it to heaven. That's just it. Uh, it's, it's amazing on how many women who come and they get their lives right with God and they're starting to feel complete. And then all of a sudden, their husband who doesn't attend the church doesn't like their wife going to church. Says, we need to have family day. When do you think family day is going to be? 
Sunday morning. And that lasts for about a week, three weeks, maybe a month. And then that goes to the wayside. Years ago, I mean, we live, well, it's not so much the boonies now, but 20 years ago, 20 some years ago, almost 30 years ago, we lived in the boonies out I-4 in the woods. And one of the things that we knew that Sarah loved was dance. And so we committed to taking her to ballet classes every weekday. And it's a drive-in, a 35-minute, 40-minute drive-in, 45-minute drive-out. And you stay there because it's so, so long. And we spent a lot of money, you know, having her chase her dream. And she was excelling at it. And people loved it. And to where she was getting so good, so good, so good, they asked her to join the professional team, the Orlando Ballet. And it was, I think she and just one other girl from all the classes were asked. And we were thinking, we made it. We, we paid for this moment, but God bless it. We don't have to pay for it anymore. She is a professional ballerina. And then we found out that rehearsals were Sunday all day long. Wasn't even a discussion. No. One value system goes, you are great parents. Another value system says, you're risking the quality of her life, her heaven and hell. Not many people would have faulted us if we had decided, no, she's a professional, this is her dream. Not many people, not many people in church would fault us. There wasn't a bad choice unless you look at the value system. Both choices were good. But depending on the value system that you live by, made one bad. And you see what Sarah has done with ballets, ministered to thousands of people. God has a way to prosper the decision that you make when it comes from the right value system. It's not a, a good choice and a good choice. Let me look at the value system that that choice is being made from. And that's the difference between Abram and Lot. Both choices were good, but their value systems were different, and that's what made the difference in the choice that they went with. Now remember, I'm, this, this story ends up with me, me being on the wing, God getting my attention. So I don't mean to be offending anyone when I say this. When Aslan, our number third child, she was the most scholastic honor society, she wanted to go away to school. She went to Tallahassee, but she went to Tallahassee with Grace McKenzie, who is the children's church pastor, with Beth Strombeck and um, Amaris, what was her name? Amber, Amber. With Amber, all from our church, and they all lived together. 
and they all stole from the same refrigerators each other's food. Um, we sent her with a support system. The statistic now is that 70% of children who go off to college their first year, 70% give up their faith. Oh, my kid's going to Georgia. Oh, my kid's going to Tennessee. My kid. Are you sending them up there with a support system? What is your value that you send? Because you want them to go to a good school? You want them to grow up? Are you protecting their faith? I guarantee I'd rather them go to Valencia than send them up to the University of Tennessee by themselves. You're offended. You have that right. <laughs> that's, my, that's my view. That's my position. As a father, if they want to go, they go. But it's against my, what my opinion is. I want to protect my kids. I want to get them to heaven's gate. When it's all said and done. To have a different value system. Well, Abram prioritized the kingdom. His, his question wasn't, where's the best land? His question was, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with this choice? It wasn't about the land. So I need to make the choice that the Lord wants me to make. And in verse 3 and 4, he had built an altar. And he went back to it to ask God again. In chapter 14, Lot ends up getting drug off by the kings of the area. And Abram, he stands up. He goes, well, I know he made his, you know, he made his bed over there. And I got I to let him sleep in it. No, he got up. He was greatly outnumbered. He defeats the kings. He comes back after taking all the wealth from the kings and he goes, now I'm healthier because I did what the Lord did. I went against all the, I mean, if I'm looking at the numbers, they outnumbered me. But the Lord said, go save your, your family. He goes and saves his family. He plunders the kings. He comes back on his way back. He runs into Melchizedek, which well, they said it was a priest of the Lord. Some say it was an angel. Some say it was Jesus himself. And before he could do anything with that plunder, he was increased. And the very first thing he did is he gave 10% to Melchizedek. Now, that was the old system. The new system, that we see that, that the Bible says, bring that 10% into the church. It's like, I even had someone say, well, you know, I pay your salary. No, you don't tithe enough to pay for my monthly gas bill. <laughs> Do you know how many ministries in Orlando that you give to by giving to this church? Churches that can't, you know, they need support. And we believe in their ministry. We're not in competition with them. They're in a part of town or they're doing a thing that we can't be as effective. But you know what? The money that you ties to this, this organization is very effective of what they're doing. We're just down the street that we had a storm a couple of years ago. And there's this old little, I think it was a Lutheran, what was it? Lutheran, Methodist, 
We don't even know. But somebody in our church does handyman work for them. And they said, there's a bunch of people, well, not even a bunch. There's a handful of people in their 80s, and their big wood fence blew over, and next door to them is a junkyard. They go, they don't have the money to fix the wood fence. I told them how much it was, and they go, oh, dear, what would it cost to haul it off? And they can't even afford that. So they came to us and told us, and we said, put up a fence for them and charge us. You know, they're God's people, and they can't afford it. So, you know, people say that we give to the church. Well, in this church, you don't give to this church. You give through this church. We, we, we believe we have a, a, a finger on the pulse of Orlando and the needs. You're not giving, you're not giving this. You're giving through this. And there's ministries in Europe that we give to, churches, organizations. You're giving through. And that's why, you know, you, you read the story of uh, two brothers, <laughs> Abel and Cain, and one gave the first fruits. The first that he, he got, he gave to the Lord to thank him for the opportunity. Cain gave the last fruit after he did everything and made sure it was left over and there's nothing I can do with it. That's why I call there's a January giver and a December giver. The January giver said, Lord, thank, thank you. And you know what? I just so trust you. You've blessed me. I'm going to bless you right back. Do what you can with it. It's yours. Here's my sacrifice, my offering. And the Lord blesses the one. We're not to hanging on the wing part thing yet. We're just getting there. Lot prioritized self-interest over generosity. What's going to benefit me? What's going to... Well, he didn't even consider his first fruits. Everything he had came from his uncle. And he had to kind of throw his uncle under the bus because he looked at the best land. It was a good choice for his family, but it was kind of a disservice to his uncle. He didn't say thank you. What happens when the Lord blesses us and we forget because the Bible tells us that you're going to be blessed so that you can be a blessing. Lot was blessed so he could keep to himself. Lot should have given back from where his blessing came. He wasn't asked to give it all up. He says, look, you know, prioritize something other than you, you being number one. You are going to be blessed so that you can go to the Lord at your altar and say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this blessing? I'm going to give a portion of this back to you because guess what? I wouldn't have had it at all if it hadn't been for you anyway. I mean, I'm like, come on. I, you're going to make me successful and I just have to give this back? Wow. And you're going to honor that and bless me more. I said this in the first service. Do you know what? Yesterday's inconvenience 
is today's convenience. Do you, do you get that? I'll put it real simple. I have grills. I have a smoker. I have a gas grill. I've got a surface grill. Yeah, I've got grills. When I'm done cooking, if I let that thing cool off and I clean it, I wipe it down and put the finish back on and I cover it. Next week, when I go to grill something, do I have to clean the grill? No, I just take the cover off, light it up. You see, yesterday's inconvenience is today's convenience. What we set out to do today and the future is going to be a convenience. And we're going to feel it far better than the pain that it, what, what little thing we're doing right now. If we, whatever you inconvenience yourself right now to do is for the future. Let me tell you that future's coming and you're just going to enjoy it a lot more than the inconvenience of back then. You don't remember it once you're up here enjoying it. And that, that's the way it is when we ask the Lord, what should we do with this? So what we give Abraham was generous. And you know when, what happens with generosity is that he went to the Lord and the Lord says, you know, do this, do this, bless it forward here. And Abraham actually put the Lord first. He, he inquired of him. Then he put Lot next and he puts him number three you know those you know those bulletins you know like your bull, billboards used to be i'm number you know i'm second abraham was third <laughs> but here's what happens when you don't put yourself number one when you don't put yourself number two who looks out for abram the lord the lord did from what it looks like, you know, he, he chose the desert. He got a whole lot of desert. He got the desert by default because his nephew wanted the beautifully watered land. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. Whenever we hold anything back that the Lord says, look, I've, I've blessed you so you can bless others. I don't care how hard you hold on to it. Something comes in and steals it. You see, no matter what, what you give your first fruits to, you're giving it to something. A retirement fund, uh, an addition in your house, a big vacation, whatever you give your first fruits to, your grandkids, <laughs> trying to, that was my conviction look to my wife <laughs> whatever you put before the Lord is your first fruits and it reveals where your heart is it lets us, everyone know what's the most important in your life well 
question is, is which of these best exemplifies your giving style? Those are small groups. Which of these styles exemplifies your giving style? Now, let me, I'm going to reveal to you my, I took two weeks ago to my small group, the questions that you're supposed to answer. And I couldn't honestly ask any of the guys in my group the questions that were presented there because I, everyone was, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. And I wasn't going to put that conviction on them. That's where I got the feel of hanging on the wing. I said, I've got to go to my small group as a founder, founding pastor of this church and say, listen, guys, here's the questions I got to you, but I failed on all of them. So I'm going to put the wet on you. I didn't even ask them. I just confessed to them about being a steward of what God has given me. And I, 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 Crystal and I, we bought a really, really, really nice truck and some years ago. And I keep it nice. And I go fishing in it and I use it. I've, you know, I've scratched it and I immediately fix it because we see it as something the Lord has given us. Uh, I, I had it about a month and I was backing up a dump trailer to fill in some dirt and it came loose and I backed up and it sent the tongue of that trailer right through the tailgate of my truck. I did not get out and say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what I said, but it was just one word. It was really two words put together. Um, I immediately got it fixed. You know, the, the Ford trucks, they said, you know, they get great gas mileage because the bids are made out of aluminum. And it looked like a beer can that you just opened up with the top. <laughs> but I fixed it immediately. You know why? So I'm a steward of the Lord has blessed me with. And then we try to upgrade our house. And but then there's this thing. It's way in the back. It's about 80 yards from my house. It's called the barn. And the barn's mine. You know why? Because it looks like crap. If I borrow something from my neighbor, he comes to the first service. I borrow his gator. You know, it's a little, you know, cart thing and I need to move something around I borrow his gator before I give it back I just may have it for about three hours I'll take it back I wash it I even black those tires if I borrow his mower I wash it off I gas it up if I borrowed anyone else's vehicle in this room it returned to you gassed up and clean because I was just borrowing what belonged to you and I needed to honor you for trusting me with it there's one thing that I have that looks like crap. And you know why? Because it belongs to me. I don't have to clean it up. You know, you, you have a project. and there's, there's already eight church projects in there. And there's about eight of my projects in there. And that's on this table. That one's on that table. This one's hanging up. This one. And you think it's a two-story barn. And it's packed with crap. Now, they're a treasure to me. <laughs> and you know what it's two stories and that's not good enough it goes out about 30 feet in every direction on the outside Crystal Dr. Crystal goes she goes 
Are you ever embarrassed when people from the church come by and see this? I'm going, no, nah, it's my crap. <laughs> like, <laughs> and the reason it looks like crap is because I took ownership of it instead of being a steward of the Lord. He allowed me to have it. I need to honor that. I've cleaned up one. It's taken me about three days, but I've cleaned one room of this barn. It looks pretty good. I've made a couple hauls out to the dumpster. What do you own? Instead of being a steward of I took a financial class many years ago, and the first thing they asked me to give up was my children. So those kids have only been given to me for a period of time. Are you a steward or do you own them? I think one of the reasons why they turned out so well is because I did not own them. I realized that I was a steward. They belonged to the Lord, and I had to do my best for them, not me. Too many of us try to raise the kids what's best for you instead of best for them. It's a different value system. A great different value system. I was hanging on the side of that plane because the Lord challenged me with the questions that we asked in the booklet, small groups. That's what it's designed. Not to shame anybody here, but to, to go, what's the value system? Why isn't this working over here? Because you own it. Because you own it, it's familiar to you, you don't honor it. You value something that has no value. Change your value system. Change it. Now I know that there are some people going, you know... I, I, my finances don't allow me to give anything. My first, there is no first. We have a class here uh, called Peace University. And we offer it, and it just helps you to get to a place where your finances get in order. And you end up with first fruits and last fruits. I strongly, especially if you're young, a young person, to figure that, you know, how to get to that class. And I, and I don't care how young. I mean, middle school should be learning how to take care of money and how to honor what's the Lord's becoming a steward. The other thing is, do not, do not get into this God, God, money management thing if you don't know him. If you've not given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, do not try to get into God's economics because it doesn't work. You see, when you give to the Lord, when you give either a tithe or a gift, or you, you, whenever you give to the Lord, it's not yours as an investment. You go, okay, Lord, I gave you five bucks. When's the return coming? You're on the clock. The Lord is not your employee. You know, you give him five bucks and he's going, I got to get five dollars worth out of you and a little something more. When you give to the Lord, it's gone. It's his to begin with. 
You're just giving back a portion. You're saying, thank you for giving me all of this. Here, let me give this so the blessing goes on. We're trying to build something bigger than us. Today, this is a blessing. But it was born out of an inconvenience a while back. And we're, we're in a process that we're asking everyone to be inconvenienced because we're going to walk into a blessing in the future where we, we can do more with more kids. We can be more inviting and saying, please come to Crime Hills and learn about Jesus. <laughs> Risk your life coming here. <laughs> if you need to ask the Lord to come into your life, receive the work of his son. You can do that today. You can do it tomorrow. You can do it in the middle of the night. If the Lord convicts you as he puts you on that wing and you're like hanging on, you think you're going to die. It's a good time to be sure you're a part of God's economics. Be sure you know the king. So that when you do give, it's his. Talk about I exercise my faith. If it's his, you didn't exercise faith. You believe and trust in him. So let's stand. Do you still love me though I have a nasty looking barn? <laughs> Do you identify with me because I have a full... Okay, all right, that's more. That's more of the truth. But every day gets better. Because God has one room of it now. And next week he'll have another room. And by the time he gets to the outside, I'm just a steward. Man. Father, we want to thank you for your word. And Lord, for those of us you've put on that wing, and we're sure we're going to die. But you're just trying to get our attention. Father, for everyone who you got their attention today. Bless them. Let them see the benefit of being generous. Giving in to your value system and recognizing we've put in our own value system so everything that we want to do looks like a good choice. Because we've been fooling ourselves by a new value system. Father, I pray for those who are accepting your son and his work today and, and days to come, reestablishing their trust in you, that you are the Lord and they are not. Lord, you made Abraham just a steward of all that you gave him. He honored that it was yours and he became very generous and you made him even greater. Lord, we are his offspring according to the Bible. We are sons and daughter of Abraham. And I speak a blessing on all the sons and daughter of Abraham. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.